You know why I think I think people are starting to do that. I, I noticed on podcasts because everyone's realizing that people lapse into this long conversation about coronavirus that's the same every single where and don't worry about it um tommy i feel i, I sense that you lost me there already which there is you go. Real. Yes. yeah no worry I, I realized what was going on and as a true professional i walked us through it anyway letting our uh, listeners know that we've lost each other but look um yeah so it's like okay uh, have you been watching movies during this uh, this quarantine, this shelter? I've been place? watching movies. I've been watching some TV shows. I got my Netflix turned back on. You turned your Netflix back on? Hell yeah, dog. Watching yeah, YouTube Netflix. like a motherfucker. Just yeah. all the time. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, I was, well, <laughs> I was kind of curious as to <laughs> how your life, <laughs> well, I was kind of curious as to how your life had changed during this whole thing. I expected very little, but you're saying that some things have changed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I went through this. I uh, went through my my extended period of unemployment. <laughs> you think you think I'd be better practiced at this? I was going to say. I mean, I, that's kind of you're yeah. But why? Yeah, not? but not. But the, the, here's the difference. I don't mind. <laughs> I'm pretty good at being on my own or alone or just sort of locked away in my room or doing whatever. It's when I have everybody else in the same house as me. I've got a bunch of roommates. That's, you have roommates, that's, yeah. That's the part that makes it a little awkward for me. And also, like, you know, it's going out. Like, there's just, you just, you, you got to keep that to, a, to like, the dullest possible roar just to go out and get, you know, more, you know, increasingly disappearing flour off the shelf somewhere. Hey, are you still smoking, Tom? What's that? Are you still smoking? No, not at the moment. What's the moment? Give me the window. Uh, shit, since, uh, really, since we've been locked away, what, three weeks now? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, that must be difficult. I mean, if you have an addiction to anything, I, I was thinking about that, too. I was thinking about, like, uh, meth, people who are addicted to meth. It must be um, a bummer right now. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, right now, as opposed to the rest of the time. I'm pretty sure it's kind of a bummer when there's no meth. I think that's the secret to being a good meth head. Is if, you're, if you've got meth in your system, you're doing good. But every other moment of the day is probably not so great. No, of course, it's always that way. But, I mean, considering now it's like you're more visible, people are less um, available. Um, yeah. Even, like, I mean, weirdly, like, in terms of crime, crime except for car thefts have gone way down because everyone's home. Right. Well, and also, I think domestic violence is on, is on a huge upturn. But yeah, other than that, you're right. Yeah, I know. You're right. You're right. I'm thinking especially about those neighborhoods, those poorer neighborhoods. Right. Where you might find... You know, have this quality of like the poor neighborhoods like rubbing shoulders right on richer neighborhoods. It's really kind of funny. And yet, like, I'm in this, like, my apartment here is in this really nice little complex right across the street. That's uh, a lot of methamphetamines over there. Yeah, well, even if you're in a nicer neighborhood and you're, you know, sort of adjacent to a rough neighborhood, you might not notice what's going on in those rougher neighborhoods. You might miss, for instance, a young boy 
growing up in a poor neighborhood, unattended to Tom, unattended to, trying to fight his way through, nobody supporting him, everybody suspecting him of the, uh, every accusation hurled at him. Much mm -hmm. as Mr. Sidney Lumet. Sidney Lumet uh, uh, created well, for it's us. The, in, it's Mr. Sidney Lumet. Sidney Lumet, you say? Back to this bullshit. Yeah, well, Sid and the Met uh, saw this in 1957, Tom, and that's why we're talking about 12 uh, Angry Men. 11, a dozen angry-ish gentlemen. Yeah, 12 Angry Men. Uh, you know what's yeah, funny but... about 12 Angry Men is it, apparently everyone in high school read it. Okay. I didn't say hilarious, but it's interesting that everyone in high school uh, read it. I, on the other hand, I don't know what your I introduction... that was a book, dude. What's that? I, did, I, I had no idea that was a book. Oh, it was a play. Oh, yeah, no, I never heard of that. Well, but, it's one of those, I mean, think about if you're a high... I guess high, I'm not surprised it's a play because I've seen the movie, but yeah, interesting. I mean, think if you're a high school teacher, like how tempting, an English teacher in high school, how tempting it is to have them read 12 Angry Men because it's like, oh, we can connect this to social issues and everyone, you know, I, 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 ha I can make 12 people at a time read their part in class and, you know, there's all mm -hmm. that, that nonsense going on. But, but um, I used to sneak out... Um, in uh, when I was in junior high and high school in the middle of the night to the front room so I could watch the late, late show. And uh, that's where I caught uh, 12 Angry Men for the first time between 2 and 4 a.m. And man, 12 Angry Men. Well, tell me where you saw it first. I can't remember. I came to it rather late. I, did, I didn't uh, watch it as part of Dan's collection. I want to say I might have seen it at the Red Vic or something. Ooh, the Red Vic and I'm hate so like on a like on a big screen as part of a festival of some kind. I think. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's not, it wasn't. It did. It wasn't something that featured large in the uh, in you know Mr. Finley number one's uh, collection of movies. So well, yeah, it's something I came across on my own. I might have seen it with you the first time. I don't remember. I don't, I don't think I've really ever seen it with yeah. you. But but your dad never. Uh, it was not a huge Henry Fonda fan for some reason. We wasn't a huge Henry Fonda fan, and, and like, let's face it, the whole liberal bent of this movie was just not up his alley. That's yeah. Well, that's you know. I remember my dad saying something funny about it. My dad, by the way, would say things that I just took as fact. Which, in retrospect, even the tone of how he said it, I'm not sure how that they would come across as fact. But he said, and it makes sense to me, that mm -hmm. uh, Twelve Angry Men ruined. Um, uh, the judicial system for uh, a, a short amount of time because everyone wanted to be Henry Fonda. Yeah, I think I've heard I, I've heard things to that effect. I have to say, like, um, just uh, I'm I'm kind of a weirdo in many ways, huh. uh, but one of them is that I actually believe in doing jury duty. Like, so I've I've done I sat on a jury before, and I have to say, there's a little Ouch. bit of truth to that, but I don't think it's ruining. I think it's kind of part of the process. There's always that one motherfucker who wants to push everything. That's actually, I think that's kind of a built-in tool. I think it's it's pretty useful, and I think it's exploited really well in this movie. Well, yeah, and it's a little extreme, I think. It's yeah. If this if this movie influences people, then it might be artificial, though. Like you do, you always want. Who was talking about that recently? Um, Brett, not Brett. Eric Weinstein. Do you know Eric Weinstein? No. He has a beautiful speech about the value of like the the alternate thinker, essentially. The person who's like always, you know, we know a few of those people and it's like they are valuable even if they're irritating because but 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 the problem is it's there's a world of difference between that happening organically and somebody watching 12 Angry Men and like I they're going to be the hero. 
Sure. Okay. Yeah. And if you really want to go, okay. Let's 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 let me push, push it, this a little bit to its logical extreme. Push it, buddy. Push it. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. I've been around courtrooms for a while. I don't know what what has it done to society because now you have people who uh, you know push for the you know, who believe in the flat Earth just as a thought exercise and to be sort of different. Like, and that's gotten a little out of control now. So <laughs> yeah, but that's. Oh, I was, well, yeah, the question is, are those people, like the flat earth people or whatever? They're uh, becoming less and less enjoyable as goes on. But do, are they doing it for some sort of, like, just, for justice? And I guess, I guess the answer would be yes, in their mind, they're trying to save us from... Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They think they are. So maybe that's <laughs> well. Maybe that's where it really gets all fucking ruinous and weird. Is when so, yeah. What is it? Uh, the, the, like somebody with the best of intention, <laughs> who then pushes what 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 reality actually is uh, out of skew. Yeah, I guess so. This kid should have been burned. I think is what we're seeing this movie. The, yeah. Okay. Well. So of course the the premise of the movie is what it's in, is it. Is this in Chicago or New York? I think it's Chicago, right? I think it's Chicago. Yeah, and uh, it's a it's a hot sort of hot rainy day, humid day in Chicago, and um, we we the movie enters as does the play with like um, the the trial ending, and it's a trial of a of a young Latinx boy um, who lives in the slums who's accused of killing his father. Right, 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 and and it, and, and so it ends. It starts up. We basically like jump almost immediately into the deliberation of the jury of the twelve angry men in question, and it's a real cavalcade of stars, right? I mean, it's like you got like Lee J. Oh, everybody, Ed Bagley, Lee J. Cobb, keep going, uh, E.G. E. Marshall. Uh, yeah, uh, was it? Uh, was that, uh, Robert uh, Wagner. Oscar, Oscar, damn it, Oscar, Oscar Madison. Yeah, Oscar Madison. Yeah, the, I can't remember the actor's name. Shut up. Okay. Well, he, you're talking about John Fielding, not, not Oscar Madison, but he was in the the uh, the movie The uh, The Odd Couple, N- Juror Number Two, the short squeaky guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. Um, Robert Weber, I said Robert Wagner, sorry, Robert Weber. Um, just a fucking a million of them. It's, it's actually maybe only three of them who aren't well known. Jack Klugman. Oh, Oscar that Madison. Oscar Madison, the yeah, television okay. show. All right. Well, you're one of the few people I know that uh, uh, that refers to the odd couple in the television show. I oh, because I love that show so much. I love, I love the, that show more than I like the actual movie. I, I love the movie so much as a kid that I, I could never stomach that show. Oh, the opposite, the opposite. I found the show boring. I love the, I love the, the movie boring. I love the, I love the TV show so much when I was a kid. Huh. Well, I wanted to buy Yahtzee just because Oscar Madison was telling me to buy Yahtzee. Remember that? No, because I never watched that show. I couldn't take it. Uh, but he was a, he was like he was Yahtzee's spokesman in their ads for years. Oh, there's a in the movie. There's a great scene where. Um, uh, by the way, there's a there's a there's a, a Martin Quin- Wilson was in here too, right? Yeah, that's right. There's a Quincy connection in, in the Odd Couple um, because um, one of the guys who's part of the poker uh, party every week. Um, ends up being Lieutenant Moynihan on Quincy. He's a oh, thinner, okay. but he's the guy when um, when Felix moves in and he's in the kitchen, da, 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 dying around and making like club sandwiches for the guys and, and everything. Right. He leans in and he goes, what's that smell? What's that smell? And he sniffs the cards. He goes, it's the cards. He's disinfected the cards. <laughs> 
anyway, so back to 12 Angry Men. So it's got all, all these great these great people in it. And Martin Balsam is actually the jury foreman. And what a fucking treat he is, actually, because he's this short, you know, as Martin Balsam is, uh, uh, PE teacher in, mm-hmm. in Chicago. And it's like he's really going to be very serious about this and take command as a jury foreman. Um, but he has a couple of great breakdowns. Like, no, no, buddy, you you try it. You think this is easy? You try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Lee J. Cobb. I feel very comfortable in saying that this is an actor's speech. Like, this is mm. a bunch of really great Hollywood sort of um, uh, not, not quite leading men, right? Yeah. Who just, who just like just eating the shit out of this, this script. Like, the script is made. They're uh, good. chewing the scenery. I like to say. I like to say chewing down on the scenery. Yeah. yeah. Sure, for sure. And, of course, we got uh, Henry Fonda writing Hurt on all of them. Well, no, I would say that's a great observation you just made because Henry Fonda is the only leading man. Everyone else is is a, a classically a co-star. I mean, even Lee J. Cobb, who's kind of the second lead in this, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is mostly a second banana throughout their career. I mean, each one of them probably had a game movie that they got to be starred in. And, and the movie, and the, the, you know, the producer said, and eh, they're quite good enough. You go back to second banana. Right? Yeah, yeah. Jack Warden uh-huh. is another one. Yeah, so it's like, okay, so, so um, they're all jurors. Um, it's an open and shut case. This kid has killed his father. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a, a switchblade knife that is so unique in its markings. Um, it only could have been his. There's no other in existence. Um, right. Neighbors have heard him fighting with his father on that night. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody hears him say, I'm going to kill you to the father. Somebody else, after hearing the noise, marches. an old man marches to the window and sees what he thinks is a, a stabbing motion or something. I might have that backwards. It might not have been the old man. But, but there are all these sort of witnesses right. and circumstantial evidence. And then plus, there's like the kid he is. And that's, yeah. that's a huge theme in the, in, in the film immediately, which is like, you know these kids. He's angry. He's Mexican. He's got a knife. I mean, come on. Yeah, I know. And, 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 and so I mean, it's, <laughs> it's taking – it's weird that in 1957 it's taking on some of the same things we're talking about. I hear people talking about now. Which is like, ah, come on, you know. Wink, wink, you know. And it's like the social conditions. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, Tom, I'm going to take advantage of your silence here. Um, to just to just say... <laughs> that silence was golden, buddy. Um, so so uh, there are all the sort of social conditions. And it's like, okay, that's kind of maybe what's a little too obvious about the movie. Which is like, all right, it's a vehicle for like social conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Well put. And, yeah, I agree, sir. <laughs> and, uh, um, but, okay, so if you can overlook that for a second, now you have the second thing, which is, like, you're going to have this juror number eight, Henry Fonda, or juror number seven, Henry Fonda, and it's, like, he's the one holdout, and his only holdout is, look, I want to introduce, and I think introduce to much of America the, the concept of um, guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So it's right. like, yeah, oh, now it's a philosophy class. What do we mean by reasonable? What <laughs> is doubt? What is evidence? Right, right. I, it appealed to me greatly. Just, as it's a, doubt versus reasonable doubt. What does that mean exactly, O.J. Simpson? Yeah, no, I mean, 100%. Um, and so, you know, you have him slowly trying to convince people. And, and of course, I think what ultimately happens beyond the sort of the, the arc of, of the story itself as a, as a trial is um, each person reveals his um, strengths and his failings as a person. Right. 
Yeah, all the things we we come to understand that everybody's bringing themselves to the table on this fucking thing, and that's that's unduly uh, that that is, I guess, unduly making words come out of their mouth. Fuck, I can't think of the word. That, that's influencing them unduly. Yeah, well, it's like you know, I mean, the, the one of the classic ones is Jack Warden, who's I think juror number six, and it's like he's got some baseball tickets burning a hole in his pocket, and it's like, oh, right, right justice is inconvenient for you, but also on the <laughs> other hand, juror like the easiest, most childish. Lee J is when we break down Lee J Cobb is when this movie has that, that's the peak of the movie, right? There. Yeah, I agree, and it is it is a little uh, yeah. I'd like he's to just angry at his he's angry at his own son. This kid reminds him of. Yeah. Although the, I remember being very moved by it. I apologize. No, I, I remember being very moved by his his sort of breakdown as to why. I mean, his conclusion, like his turning finally to like uh, not guilty, is a little ridiculous. But but I but I do understand that you know, people carry these things in with them. But one of the ones I found the most interesting was the first juror number eight, the old man who gives Fonda his break because Fonda says early on in the film. Hey, I'll abstain, and if I you eleven vote, and if I can get one person to vote not guilty, just to sort of hear it out, let's continue. And, oh, great! And if the old man votes not guilty, but it's like, so he, the old man seems like a hero. But what we what we learn, and I think this is the fair part of the writing of the play in the film, is that kind of what the old man was just lonely. <laughs> yeah, right. I think uh, what, uh, what also I think got left out of the movie is the fact that that was the greatest baseball game ever played, motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, I think I think the character I, the the like, ask like, like one like one dog could have changed that whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one thing that I I the, the 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 chink in the armor I guess for me was the the, the racial aspect. Was played. Here's where it was played well. Jack Klugman played it well because he played it about class. Like he was the kid who who could identify, or he was the guy who could identify with the kid because he grew up like that but made it out. The the aspect I didn't like was Ed Bagley Jr. as the ridiculously over the top racist guy, and then to his left is like the perfect like. And by the way, they they chose like an Italian immigrant, so it's like mm, just sort of dark. Um, but like, who corrects his grammar at every turn? And it's like, okay, you know, come it's on, really guys. Funny how the Hollywood of that era was like super okay. Like the only ethnicity they loved having Italian. Italian was as ethnic as they got. Oh yeah. Like the original Marty was Jews, but that was too ethnic, so they changed it to Italians. Wait, I didn't know that the original Marty was Jews. Yeah, Rod Steiger. It was they were Jewish. It was a Jew family, yeah. So they, but they, they, it was too much for movies. Where they came yeah. back to make the movie, they changed it to Italian. I had no idea. That's a great piece of That's trivia, man. That's awesome <laughs> trivia. So yeah, so it's like you know what's what's great about the film also is that you get this opportunity to see um, a, a table full of great actors and characters playing out, but then you get these little vignettes almost where they they separate into twos and have conversations mm. about why they feel the way they do and it's right. it's really i think it's 12 angry men didn't didn't i didn't understand the, the title for a long time and and what i finally concluded was that the title's about all of their anger at not kind of being heard as complete people mm. even the ones that are domineering like lee j cobb he he we don't really get to hear what his deal is until the end right 
Thanks. So yeah, like the anger comes from them having a like a richer inner life than they're able to express on their normal basis. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's like John. Is it John Fielding? Right? Is the the short squeaky guy it sounds a little bit like Sterling Holloway. Uh, I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah, and and his whole thing is like he's just never been in charge of anything. And mm-hmm. and Martin Balsam's thing is like he has been in charge of things, but but he's seen as a meathead, so he can be kind of like an academic here. And and there's only a couple of, of I would say foils to that whole concept. One would be Jack Warden, who's a bit of a um, a cliche after a while. The the you know the the carpet salesman or whatever he is, who just wants to get out of here. Um, and I and uh, and I think Ed Bakley is the racist. Right. Uh, uh, what's his name? Robert Weber, I think, is fucking. This is thirty years or something before uh, Sob. Or like twenty five years before SOB, Robert Weber as the ad man, I think, is fucking hysterical, man. Oh, thanks for bringing in SOB. SOB. Any, any, any reference to SOB that that, you, that can be brought into the show? I you know what this this movie? Speaking <laughs> of which, wonderful bad movie. Anyone like like Robert Weber or or same movie, I guess William Holden. Um, any of those guys who like were big in the fifties, but then also had some star power by like the seventies or eighties. It's just curious to me that I mean it's just such a funny scope because we think of like oh our grandmother was born in 1912 right and she died in 1997 or something so people would say about her like oh she was born like before World War One and she saw a man walking on the moon what a span but to me a bit a, a much more interesting span is to be in um, in movies in the fifties where you can't use the word virgin, and then to be in a movie about like uh, women sucking your cock at a Hollywood party, you know, it's sort of like <laughs> to have the scope to be in Network and also, you know, um, Sunset Boulevard or something. Right, right, right. Well, I, I, I'm just a little weirded out by the fact that she got to see, uh, you know, like she got to see Nipsey Russell. I mean, that's how I love about like, like, all. <laughs> Nipsey Rose, remember him? There's all these like weird stars like from like the '70s, like in the '70s that were famous mostly because Johnny Carson was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. Right? Yeah. There's like an entire generation of comics who like who floated into the '80s for God's sake. My dad had them on fucking records and shit yeah. like that. They were not funny at all. Yeah. I mean, Don Rickles, I think, is the major exception out of that entire class. Of people who weren't funny later, who weren't funny in that time, but they were just making appearances. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, Don Rickles, certainly, when he was doing the roast, he was doing, like, the best he could do under the circumstance, of course. But, like, you know, even oh, that, the, the you know, really had to be so tame to get past fucking, uh, to get past the, uh, the network. Those goddamn Dean Martin roasts, the problem with those is the editing, like... Don Rickles will tell a joke and then it would pan to, to Milton Berle laughing in his car. I mean, the fucking, the editing was terrible, man. It was just ridiculous. The, I think a guy from that time who, who the opposite um, happened is two guys, uh, Robert Klein. I think Robert Klein is fucking hysterical. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there were some funny guys, but then, you know. But, but, they, but those are the guys who didn't last. And, and uh, Gabe Kaplan. I mean, it's a shame that everyone knows him from from Welcome Back, Carter, because he's actually a fucking has really funny stand-up. Right. Same thing with uh, the, what's the name of the kid? The guy, um, fuck, it was in uh, Barney Miller. He was like the little like the little desk sergeant that that would wander around. Ron's. Oh yeah, he looked like a schnauzer. He was funny. Yeah, yeah he was actually a really funny stand-up comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. obviously, we're talking about Twelve Angry Men. Yeah. And, so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so, okay, um, 
Uh, let's talk about um, standout performances here. Standout performances. Oh, shit. Well, I th- you know, the thing is, is, honestly, I don't think of the performances, I think Henry Fonda's isn't the strongest. I, I actually right. think it's probably Lee J. Cobb. I, I would actually give it to Klugman. I like the most, and, and it's, he's, he's probably the obvious one to go with. I like Klugman's performance, too, because it's so understated. Mm. Like, he's this guy who's like, because Klugman has made it out of the ghetto. He's the one who's totally made it out of the ghetto and he's become respectable but then it's like in order to be respectable you have to be um quiet and you have you have to and so now all of a sudden he's trapped in trying to defend his former life from the modern quiet perspective to be heard yeah yeah, yeah. i I would have to say that he would be without uh, referencing you i would say that was my second choice there because klugman also but as you said there's a really great understated job there's a great essay. And you can do overstated like a motherfucker. So it's good to see. Oh, you think so? Yeah, maybe a little. It was so Midas, Sam. It's, it's wonderful to see him not do that and just be, be really good. There was that, and he was he was in that um that great Twilight Zone about Pip. Was it Pip the Sun? Pip. Pip the Sun, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did I actually? I, I did. A, I did a. Um, there's a small theater in SF that they, they, every year they, they have a thing where they take Twilight Zone episodes and they transfer, transfer, put, put, put them on the stage. Yeah. There. And that's the one I did. Are they any good? They had to direct it. It was fun. It was pretty cool. I turned out I was the only one who was doing like an honest one. Everyone was trying for like an ironic uh, some masterpiece or something like that. I just took the goddamn thing and transferred it onto the stage and rewrote the script. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's yeah, a- it's one of my favorite Twilight Zone episodes. I saw the Twilight Zone recently, and um, I I do love the Twilight Zone, but sometimes you know what the one I watched was the one about um, how to serve humans. Yes, Mwah. it's yeah. Well, yeah, as a concept, it's good. The execution is absurd. You think? It's like he's what is it, Richard Teal is one of the aliens. In the that? Martian's landing, and he's driving down the street to meet us here at the UN in a minute. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? Did you ever see the one with Charles? Holy fuck, we're going way far afield. Did you ever see the one with Charles Bronson and Elizabeth Montgomery? No. Almost no talking. It's like post World War Three apocalypse. They're, they're like one from each side of the, uh, the whatever the conflict was in the, the, the U.S. Yeah. And they're they're like mortal enemies, but they're like they're the only man and woman left, as far as anyone can tell. They're pretty oh, good. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's Elizabeth Montgomery. So many, how many, how many? And and the two dicks who she outlived. She outlived two dicks there. Holy dude! A gay dick, a straight dick, and then she lived. Outlived them. Have we ever had a more ADD brittle death? I don't care. I don't give a shit. Yeah, you don't. I the one of the interesting oh trivial facts is that. Sydney Lum Sydney Sydney Lumet. <laughs> One of the tricks of the uh, that he employed here was um, within the you know about this within the ninety minutes uh, he moved the walls in one foot. Right, right. Moved them in so to 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 heighten the uh, claustrophobia of the situation. Yeah, because it's it's. I, really I wonder tr- how many like bottles of water they had on set just to make sure everybody looked sufficiently sweaty. <laughs> Oh, they do look. They do look pretty, pretty sweaty. Um, there's some. There's. I mean, look. There's some. Also, some ridiculous stuff about, um, you know, Henry Fonda's case for the young man. It's just the evidence is um, ridiculous. 
Yeah, you know, but it, it is, and it's exactly what it is. It's a, it's a kind of a modern, for lack of a better word, liberal morality play played out on a television. Li- uh, liberal morality. Yeah, but it is. But it really kind of is. And, and you know, in the best and sometimes, you know, and potentially the worst sense of those words, right? Of, of the word liberal in that. But, yeah. um, I, you know, it's, 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 but it's, but it is what it is. It's distinctly a morality play. It's of its time and its place for fucking sure. You know, and it's intended to be so. So I, I find that I find that element of it completely appropriate. I well, the thing is, anyone who wants I to love get, the movie. I, I, yeah. Let's put it this way: this movie is not perfect. It's very flawed, but I like this movie. A lot. It's well, it manages ultimately to, to stick with the um, the dicta, um, dictum 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 um, above all, be entertaining. Dictum as be entertaining. Like if you ha- you can have a, a moral or a message, but you have to be entertaining, and it is super super um, entertaining. And I would also say to anyone who wants to give this a hard time, uh, read Antigone. Soph- right. Sophocles' Antigone is n- no less corny. I think we know who we're talking about here. Important cinema club. Yeah, you guys, and your we- stupid stupid opinions about Stanley Kramer, which I have no real ability to <laughs> to read. <reframe. laughs> Because yeah, I kind of want to talk about him at some point. Nevertheless, okay. Okay, I will go into it then. We'll make that a fine reserve at some point. You know what? Actually, we should just do a main episode um, of the case against uh, them in that episode. I don't know if we have it. I, don't, I, I honestly don't know that we have more than 10 minutes of conversation. Oh, well, I'll tell you why, as is, because the problem is, is uh, every exception I could think of. They named already, and they were like, "Oh yeah, that's a good film. That's not what we're talking yeah, about." Okay. I was like, "Ah, oh, damn it!" Like, you know. I, I still think they were very unfair to inherit the wind, but other than that, but they weren't even hard, that harsh about inherit the wind. <laughs> now we get to tag this um, important cinema club, and maybe some people will listen to it. All right, so so again, City Limits, 1957 classic, starring um, major. The major star is, is Henry Fonda, but starring basically everyone else who was a player at that yeah. time. Uh, mm-hmm. I give it a high thumbs up, four stars. Smoking barrels, two golden assholes, and a Corona mask. You sir, uh, I give it uh, two full Chinese buffets. <laughs> nice. A little bit. It's, it's just we're coming up with arbitrary shit here. Let's oh, what? Oh, two Chinese wet market uh, buffets? <laughs> bat, two bat kebabs? Is that what you give it? What? I don't even know what you're saying there. Bat kebabs. Bats. Okay, what? let's look. What market? Two, bats? Tiger King, two Tiger King husbands up. Let's put it that way. Oh, did you see that yet? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. We'll talk off air. Okay. All right. Because that'll be the first interesting thing we talk about. We'll talk about that often. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, audience of six, thank you for continuing to listen and, and for putting up with this uh, with the, with the, with whatever this was today. <laughs> oh, the next one's going to be worse, I'm sure. All right, see you, Tommy. Yeah.